Hello, Choose Love Movement audience. My name is Scarlett Lewis. I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement and started this podcast to give information to the world about solutions to address the cause of what we're seeing, not only in our schools, but also things that translate out into our society and providing solutions. And with that in mind, I would like to welcome two upcoming seniors that started a project titled Project Spoken Youth. Welcome Jacob Strankowski and Dag Smalling from Burl High School in Lower Burl, Pennsylvania. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much for joining me today. I think it's so important that we give our youth a voice. You guys have so much to say. You are so smart. And I think sometimes unlike us adults that have had a whole lifetime filled with adventures, but also fears, and uh, we do things a certain way in our comfort zone, I think that you all are without a lot of the fears and anxieties that uh, some of us have accumulated throughout our life. And so I love talking to younger people because there's just kind of like a raw honesty and a truth that I hear. You all are so smart. Things that are impacting you in your schools that will continue to impact you in society need to be solved. And you all just very well might have the solution because clearly we haven't been able to provide that. Actually, this whole idea for this podcast started because Jacob and Dag were in the audience when I was launching the Choose Love Enrichment Program in their school district. And Jacob asked me an amazing question, which caught me a little bit off guard, this raw honesty that I'm talking about. Jacob, your question was, how well do you think that parents understand the mental health of their kids? And I paused and also knowing there were a lot of parents in the audience, <laughs> I said, you know what? I can only speak to myself. I was a single mom with two boys and when they got angry or upset, I would more often than not send them to their room or even put them in a timeout. You're angry? Go calm down. I don't want to see that. I'm cooking dinner. I'm busy. You know, something like that. And I said, so based on my response, I don't think that it's probably not a very positive answer. And I said, what do you think? And you said, you agree. So just kind of starting from where our conversation started, what kind of things are you seeing in school? and what's being done about it and do you think that it's effective well there are definitely a lot of things going on in the minds of the student body but specifically what we've been seeing sort of rising throughout the years is a lot more students feel they're depressed and have anxiety and all these other kinds of mental issues constantly bearing down upon them and as for what's being done about it there have been small attempts in the past to work towards it, but to be honest, the administration doesn't actually grasp how to even go about it to begin with. So it's just kind of sitting there like a time bomb. Nothing's really changing, it's just getting worse. You know, I think students all across the country would agree with you. There was the story of Destiny Krebs that you were telling me about. Would you mind sharing that? Yeah, of course. 
so I went to a nearby school district for one year in my eighth grade year. And while I was there, I met this nice young man named James. He was kind of a friend of mine. And James very clearly had some things going on in his mind that he didn't know how to share. And about halfway through the year, I came to the realization that the year prior, his sister had tragically committed suicide at their house, and he was the one to find the body. Mm. And Destiny, the reason she did it, it's a rather sad story. From what I understand, she was getting bullied and sexually harassed and all these other kinds of really bad things. And when she would cry out for help, like going to administration, she was basically told she was being dramatic and to just go back to class. It's no big deal. You'll be fine. And it wasn't fine. She ended up hanging herself in her garage, and I'm pretty sure she ended up found her. And the repercussions of that, they last forever, and they ripple out. So sad to think of somebody in so much pain and literally asking for help, crying out for help and not getting it. So how did that shape what your response and the project that you started? Well, when I first learned about the situation, all it gave me was despair, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I was already at a bit of a low point, and hearing that story made me think, things are bad, they don't change. But as time went on, I realized, okay, the adults aren't listening, so who will? And the answer is the students. So if we can get the students to talk to each other, that could have prevented what happened to Destiny, because communication is one of the most important things. I totally agree. And, you know, the interesting thing about communication is the ability to be able to connect with one another. And there is this loneliness epidemic out there that is just getting worse, where over half of Americans are saying that they're lonely. We really need to learn how to communicate with one another. I think that that's so vitally important. So let's honor Destiny's life here. You've talked about what you learned from her death, but let's talk a little bit about where you've gone from there. Your idea to get kids to speak to one another in the form of Project Spoken Youth. How did that come about? And how did you start working with DAG? The way the project started was, as many people will know, there was a shooting in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Synagogue, right? Mm -hmm. After that happened, I was in a horrible mental state thinking, how could this happen? Like, why did this shooter do this? And I thought, why didn't anybody stop him? Like, he could have been talking to friends, you know, he could have made connections that could have saved him. So, taking those ideas, I wrote a short, maybe two, three minute speech. And I read it over the intercom at my school, hoping to inspire action students to kind of be checks on each other. Mm. When that happened, even though I felt that my words could be almost useless at that time, a lot of people came to me and were like, wow, Jacob, you were saying exactly what I was thinking, but I was too afraid to speak. Mm. After hearing those comments, I was thinking, if what I said can inspire other people and give them hope, maybe other students have similar ideas they could share. And to the question of how DJ got involved, DJ has been my friend since, like, first grade. (laughs) I think he probably thinks the same way, and he saw what I was doing and wanted to be involved. 
Yeah, I was the first person that he decided to interview for a few reasons. The main one being that I have opinions where I'm not completely rude about my opinions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I'm having a conversation with someone, I don't expect them to get angry with what I'm saying because it's just a conversation. Everyone can have their own opinion. You just have to be able to say it. And you have a diplomatic way about you. Yeah, most of the time. He can be fiery at times, but he knows when diplomacy is the correct path, for sure. Well, I know that everybody's wondering what you said across the intercom, Jacob. Would you mind sharing a little bit? At the time, a big part of my call to action was how when we see hate, we feel inconvenienced by it. We like to ignore it rather than encounter it, you know? Mm -hmm. So if students saw hate, they should do what they can to get rid of it in diplomatic ways. So don't ignore it, but actually confront it. Yeah, exactly. Did you suggest ways that they could do that in your call to action? Because I think, I think adults would like to hear what you had to say about that as well. I was rather unspecific in the speech, but if I were to give such a call now, I would most likely say people who are hateful, they learned hate and you can help them learn to love instead. So just communicate, talk to them, explain why what they think is wrong in such a manner that you spread love. That's really beautiful, Jacob. The quote that I shared at the beginning of my talk at your school, which was, people must learn to hate and if they can learn to hate they can be taught to love for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite i love the whole concept of learning to love and that's really exactly what i'm trying to do with my choose love enrichment program i am literally trying to teach I say students, but equally adults and our entire community, how to thoughtfully respond to situations, circumstances, and any interaction that you have by choosing love. And it is a choice when you have the awareness and some skills and tools. And when you thoughtfully respond with love, that's kindness, caring, concern, compassion, you literally take your personal power and control back in whatever situation you're in and you make the world a better place. When we react with anger, hatred, and revenge at one another, we are giving our personal power away. We're becoming victims and we're left feeling powerless, which perpetuates the anger. So I love what you're saying. What were your thoughts about having the Choose Love movement come to your school? After I sat down and thought about your movement some more, I realized there were a lot of parallels in what we're trying to achieve and the ideas you're trying to spread. Absolutely, I think we're doing very similar things here. I love what you're doing. You coming to our school and the social-emotional learning program is absolutely an amazing idea. It's something that DJ and I have been hoping would happen for years. Like, not specifically you, but just in general. Teaching about the things that are inside you rather than the quadratic formula. Yeah, exactly. Right. These essential life skills that you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of them when I started this whole process at 44 years old. I realized I needed to learn how to have healthy 
positive, deeply connected relationships. Even as an adult, I needed to learn how to manage my emotions. I needed to learn even more resilience to issues that we all face and some that, you know, only some of us face. Dag, do you want to comment on what we're talking about? Yeah, I do. Because I personally feel like most of the faculty at the schools, this is a general thing. Mm -hmm. They aren't very good at dealing with people who are upset. Mm. As far as I know, there are three faculty members at our high school that have any sort of psychiatry degree or anything remotely related to that. And a lot of them are older people, like they aren't old, but they got their degrees a long time ago. Yeah, and you know, I think that your school has more than most. And you know, now the average caseload for a school counselor is 650 students. They are putting out the fires that students come in with. By the way, 20 years ago, there was groundbreaking research in childhood trauma called the ACEs study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, which showed that one in five kids was coming to school traumatized. And nowadays we know that about 50% of our students come to school having experienced a recent traumatic event, keeping in mind that trauma can be anything from yelling and screaming at home Yes, when our parents yell and scream at each other, it is traumatic for us all the way to the unthinkable. So if you think of a school counselor having this huge caseload, you know, even if she is young and hip and ready to talk, and by the way, has the courage, but doesn't necessarily have the time or, or the resources. And by the way, on top of that, uh, it's also her or his responsibility in a lot of cases to teach social and emotional learning. So we are definitely trying to change that. But DJ, you're right. It's really all about the connection that kids feel. You know, it was interesting. I was on a secret service conference call with different state agencies across the country, and we were talking about school safety. And one of the things that they said really stuck out to me, and it was that most kids know details about plans, bad plans that are gonna happen. They know minute details before they happen. And the majority of kids don't say anything because they don't have one trusted adult at the school that they trust enough to tell even plans of harm. I couldn't believe that. Actually, part of me could believe it, but I still find myself being shocked at things, which I think is actually a good sign <laughs> for yeah. me personally. But does that resonate with you guys? Yeah, it's definitely a very important thing. As far as students here, DJ and I had this one friend who had very bad depressive episodes. I'm not going to say their name. Of course. And we were discussing, between all of us, going to their guidance counselor. And they were absolutely horrified by the idea. Like, they said it was like the worst thing that could happen. But we also have a teacher here, a Mr. Rossi. Amazing guy. Whenever any of us have emotional problems, we're more likely to go to him because of how he is as a person than to our own guidance counselors, even though they might be better trained because of how they come across and how they connect with us. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting thought about training because my older son, JT, just finished his freshman year at college, but he lost his little brother when he was in seventh grade. So he went to Newtown schools from seventh to 12th grade. And it was interesting because no one actually ever directly addressed his little brother or the tragedy with him, ever. And it seems so obvious a thing. If I look back and I put myself in his shoes and I think about going back to work, which by the way, I didn't do. I had to leave my job and start this foundation to be part of the solution. But I pictured myself being like JT and going back into my work environment and having people like walk by me and go, hey, how you doing? You know, you caught up with your work? You need some extra time? You know, without saying anything, I think I would go insane. And uh, that's actually what happened to JT, which brings up the point of training, right? Because what I realized from seventh to 12th grade was that there was a fear that they didn't have training. And so if they asked JT how he was doing or they addressed the tragedy, that they wouldn't know how to handle it. But the bottom line and what I think JT and I have learned through our experience is that it really has nothing to do with training. It has to do with the courage to actually be with someone when they're in pain. And it actually takes courage to overcome the discomfort and even the not knowing if you could handle their needs or whatever, but just actually sitting with somebody that's in a lot of pain and it doesn't take skills and tools to do that it takes courage and that's really mostly i think what people need in that kind of space is just to know just to have that connection dj you mentioned connection and connection is love to have the courage to sit next to somebody when they're really going through something and to just offer that connection. I mean, that's just healing in itself. Of course, I'm not downplaying the need for professional help. Both JT and I have received that and it's really important. But I think for one another in just everyday life, I mean, people go through things all the time and just to be aware that A lot of times when you see somebody in pain, just approaching them and being there for them is so deeply meaningful. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think if James, Destiny's brother, would have had more people just talk to him, he would have had a much easier time throughout school. Because like I said, I didn't even know about his sister until over like halfway through the year, and that didn't come from him. It came from some other random friend of mine. Yeah, and so James is going back to school. Those that know about it are like, oh my God, what do you say to somebody who has been through something like that? I don't know, I've never been through something like that. Wow, that's horrible, that's tough. And then fear really would hold you back from making that connection. And by the way, that connection could be life-saving to someone. Obviously, if someone had been able to do that, make that kind of connection with destiny, I firmly believe that she would not have taken her life. Do you guys agree? Absolutely. I think it would have severely increased her chances of still being here. Yeah. 
I totally agree. Talk about Project Spoken Youth, how that idea that you have can be part of the solution and how important it is to get your voices out there. So for Project Spoken Youth, at the moment, our process is we find students who are interested in talking about what's on their mind. I figure out what their interests are and I write up some questions. Then we sit down on camera and we talk through all the hard topics that are kind of shushed away in standard quote-unquote conversation. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, and we publish these interviews online, we're hoping to get these hidden topics finally discussed in the open. Because like what happened with my speech over the intercom, after I started speaking, a lot of other people felt more comfortable and like they're actually having their thoughts being displayed. So in this process, people who are feeling alone and disregarded they see, hey, Dag, for example, that Dag guy on his interview, he talked about this issue I'm having. I'm not alone. There are people like me. And this process, it's making people more comfortable discussing topics in general, and they're no longer alone. And I think it can help a lot of people out. I think it's an amazing idea. What are some of the forbidden topics that you're discussing? DJ, you were the first interview. What did we ask you about? You guys had like two full pieces of paper with stuff you wanted to ask me. It went everywhere from how we're messing up the earth to mental illnesses and how to properly help someone that has them, gun control. I think we had abortion in there too or something like that. But there were a lot of really heavy hitting topics that just no one talks about. Those are heavy topics. DJ, when you were being interviewed and you were able to speak your mind and get your voice out there, how did that make you feel? It was Jacob and this girl named Lindsay interviewing me, and I hadn't met Lindsay before my interview. So completely opening up what I was thinking to someone I had never met before was very interesting, but just for the sake of the interview, I was still able to do it. It ended up working out fine. Me and Lindsay are still pretty good friends. That's awesome. I think you guys are onto something. I really love the fact that you guys are being able to express yourselves and from your point of view, because it's so important right now, before you get preconceived notions, before you're programmed a certain way or the other, that you can really speak from the heart and speak from that place within you that's so pure. Where do we go from here? I mean, so many issues that are out there, obviously the ones that the Choose Love movement are focused on are, well, literally keeping kids safe and feeling like you're safe and also helping to give 21st century life skills to kids that you guys are gonna keep with you for the rest of your lives. We are also working at the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement on a way to project the youth voice. You guys are helping us start it out. If you guys could give a little bit of advice to either me or whoever's listening or to schools across the country, just in general, what would you tell us from your point of view? What could we do better and where should we start? <laughs> just, just a little question like that. One thing, this is more aimed towards schools, but 
let people talk about what they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. There have been times where me and Jacob have been talking in the hallway and someone has asked us not to talk about it because it is deemed unfit for schools. So have the ability to express yourselves freely. Yeah. I think if I were to give some advice personally, this is more so aimed towards the silent voices out there. One of the most important things I've sort of discovered in the past couple of years is that if something scares you, that fear is not a deterrent. It's an indicator that you're doing something in the right direction. If you're afraid to speak, that's good. Your brain is telling you, hey, this is something that's difficult. That makes it important. So the more afraid you are, the potentially better direction you're looking towards. That's incredible advice. So basically, listen to fear. Don't resist or avoid it. Absolutely. Because fear is communicating something to you. And fear can be your friend when it's trying to tell you something, obviously trying to keep you safe. What's it trying to say? And listen. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have any last thoughts that you would like to share? Instituting the social and emotional learning in schools is important because I imagine it'll have a similar effect that learning a martial art does. You feel empowered to be able to help something or help someone or yourself even, and you'll feel better about yourself. That's pretty profound. And I totally agree with you. I've never thought about it like that, but it absolutely is empowering to be able to manage your emotions to be able to make and cultivate and keep healthy connections. Yeah, very empowering. That is a really cool statement and analogy. What about you, Jacob? I suppose I'd like to end personally with a little quote from that speech I talked about. Yes. What I wrote down at that time when I was thinking about how we were ignoring what's going on, I wrote... Ignorance is only bliss if you can cover your ears and close your eyes. Wow, that's profound. And that is a great send off for us. I want everybody to think about that. Ignorance is only bliss if you can cover your ears and close your eyes. I think that we know from what we've been seeing in our schools, the pain and suffering, anxiety, that ignorance is not bliss and that we need to all have the courage to face the issues and listen to those voices that have been silent. Everyone has a voice. Honor those silent voices and also pay attention to our fear. You guys, this has been an incredible podcast, just rich with incredible insight. And I want to thank you both so much for sharing. I bet that you'll probably get some kids from across the country that are interested in either being a part of your project, Spoken Youth, or being interviewed to have their voice be heard. Would that be okay? Yeah, that would be great. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube, just at Project Spoken Youth. Awesome. Okay, we will use your hashtag. Well, we don't really have one because no one besides us is like doing anything related to us. But that would be incredible if we could start something. Yeah, if we were to see people 
doing what we're doing, talking about the hard things, and we, we will look for the hashtag, that would be absolutely great. Yeah, let's do it. There's no time like the present, right? Definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jacob and DJ. Appreciate you both so much. Thanks for being part of the solution and sharing your thoughts. No problem. Thank you for having us. And we will see you on the next episode of Choose Love. Thank you. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let.